I might just pray for us so that um, yeah, God would just be teaching us, leading us, guiding us this morning. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, um, we just thank you so much that we can come this week and just be free to learn and, and grow and just sit with you for, in, a, in a deep, special way, away from the world. And I just pray this morning that, that you would be guiding us, coaching us, comforting us in our leadership, looking at our, our hearts and our characters, our personalities, skills, gifts, abilities. Lord, we, just, um, we give our lives to you afresh this morning and we just ask that your Holy Spirit would, um, would just highlight to us how we can uh, grow our leadership, grow our hearts and our love for you and, and just become leaders that will last um, and just leaders that will love you for all the days of our life here on earth uh, and into eternity, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Excellent. Uh, so this will be fun. Uh, hoping to make it a real workshop, not just a pretend workshop, and then I talk to you for an hour. Um, I do not have all the answers um, at all. I have some expertise, but I'm not an expert. Um, I'm only uh, yeah, I'm turning 28 this year. I've been a youth leader for over nine years um, at the same youth group um, from the same church that I've been at for 18 years. Um, that's Dural Baptist, now known as the Centre. Our youth is called Chicago Youth. I've been the youth pastor there for two and a half years uh, and an intern there for four or five years before that. Um, was a, I'm a failed actor and barista, cafe manager, um, called at Soul Survivor to, to kind of give my life to being a pastor in a specific sense, um, you know, in a ministry and church context. Um, and that happened in 2010, and that's why I love Soul Survivor. It just really softened my heart to a space where we can hear from God. Um, so that's been my story. Um, that's kind of who I am. I was a conference coordinator a few years ago, um, and I'm now the bookkeeper um, a day a month for Soul Survivor and, and help with their accounts, um, purely my, um, because my, um, my dad and my brother are accountants, and I took like a 1% skill from that, but otherwise I suck at maths. Um, but I do have um, a few big passions um, around uh, the gifts, around the Holy Spirit, around teamwork, around, um, and especially around leadership. Um, and I've been really aware, both from studying it, I'm at Bible College, uh, I've got one more year till I become a reverend, um, and you can call me Rev, or just Andrew. Um, but um, what was I saying? Hmm, just had a blank. What was I saying? Oh, Your life. I've been studying and aware that leaders don't last. Um, so there's a, there's a good series of books by Tim Hawkins, a guy who's still in youth ministry for almost 30 years. So I ripped the title from him. But uh, he has a book called Fruits That Will Last. Uh, then there's Disciples Who Will Last and there's Leaders Who Will Last. Like, sounds kind of cheesy, but... Um, now I think it's quite a really powerful series, and I read that uh, maybe seven years ago, and Fruits That Will Last really impacted me. Um, and it's, it's a book um, about um, us in our ministry focusing on seeing um, and trusting what God's doing um, and seeing fruit that will last forever as opposed to numbers and hype and attractive programs and things like that. Um, so I ripped the title from there. But um, yeah, today, to start us off, um, just to kind of check in where our hearts, heads, minds, everything's at. Um, Going to get us to start by, a lot of today is looking at the self um, and looking at how we can care for ourselves. Um, 
that's what I was saying. When, when, as I study and as I read all these things, your, your average youth leader only lasts uh, one to three years. Your average youth pastor only lasts let, um, up to five years, but generally two to three years. Um, statistics are just rough. So, yeah, they're just rough stats. But, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of a shame because uh, I know in my experience, um, I wanted to leave a few years ago, but God kind of just kept me at the church to keep shepherding the flock whom I knew, even though I was just ready, I felt like God was leading me away. But I mean, wow, the incredible part of hanging in there and trusting and believing that God is going to surprise me and do works in our youth group. And I have seen like just in the last year or two, um, incredible shift of, of culture. Um, essentially, we look more like Soul Survivor now. Um, but um, really just some of the values that I wanted to see and that I felt God wanted to see. In, um, it was amazing how it's happened. Um, and I don't think I would have seen that had I not stayed there. I remember after being there four or five years, I had this frustration where I hadn't seen baptisms, hadn't seen people just like real genuine salvation. We had a program that was reaching the lost, Goldstone High School, which we're going to today, but we hadn't been seeing it. And then we had this camp just as I was transitioning to become youth pastor, where we had 26 youth um, decide to get baptised, and we did it in a river at a, at a camp. And had I had left a month before that, um, would, have, would have missed seeing that incredible abundance. Um, and so we've now seen kind of 30 to 40 people come to Jesus, and it's just been a pleasure to see that as I've stuck it out, uh, as I'm now in my 10th year with this, this same group. I've got um, youth leaders who were my youth kids in year six and they're now youth leaders and there's nothing more special when you stay around long enough. Now it's okay if you haven't and if you've just changed youth groups and you move on, that's fine. Um, God, God is always moving people around. Um, I know he's still going to move me on one day. Um, but the, too often people do just move around and they move around maybe not for the right reasons and um, they don't last long enough in the same place or they don't last at all, but they don't actually see it. I've seen a lot of youth leaders who, who do a few years and it's okay, sometimes their life and God steers them into marriage, work, moving. But um, sometimes they might miss out on seeing some of their... And that's fine because, you know, we let them know, we encourage them and, and their kids continue to grow. But um, some of them who may leave, maybe not for the best reasons, they miss out on seeing what God's done. So leadership, it's beautiful when we stick around. To check in on ourselves, um, I like to break it into... Um, four areas, and I found this really helpful in mentoring and with leaders, um, just four areas that I want you to score yourself at the moment, obviously you're camping and you're, you're kind of in a weird place, but just be honest with yourself and God, don't have to show everyone, emotional, physical, relational, and spiritual, I kind of feel they cover our lives, um, give yourself a score out of 10 on where you're at personally, just you as a leader today. Your self-esteem and your emotions, where you're at out of 10 physically, exercise, feeling good about yourself, identi um, identity, body, uh, how you're feeling physically, um, relationally with friends, family, church, connections, relationships, how you're feeling, um, and then spiritual. Um, these are all connected and these are all spiritual for those who have Jesus dwelling in them. Um, so those who have just come in, we're just doing a bit of a heart, head, body check. I like to do this with leaders just to, to touch base with um, where we are at as, as leaders, as followers. 
out of 10, score yourself in these four. It's just for you, just to start off, where are you at? Thirty seconds. Who found that hard? Like to self-assess. Not, not easy to kind of like really pick at yourself and, and be honest. I do this a few times a week um, and, and I encourage my leaders, our interns, our, our youth leaders and, and a lot of relationships. Um, a, a key to um, looking at ourselves, I'm going to give us a structure soon for how we're going to go through today. At the moment you just got some random intro and thoughts but a real huge key is, is just knowing who we are, um, and today is going to be looking at that, but a self-awareness, um, a self-awareness and becoming in touch with ourselves, our emotions, our spirit, our physicality, our relationships, um, that will change you as a leader, um, and, and just being aware with God each day, where am I at, what's happening, um, I've just quickly off my head been honest with where I feel today, um, I'm at Soul Survivor, I've been experiencing God, I've been close with Him in, in worship particularly, I've been seeing Him move at others, so I'm feeling pretty spiritually great um, and, and connected. I generally overshoot, so I just went for a humble eight on, on, on there, but you know, we're at Soul, we might not all be feeling great there. Uh, relationally, at the moment in my life, relationships are fairly well, so it's like a pretty, seven's pretty like, it's in a good place. Um, physically, my tent got a bit wet, didn't put my fly up properly, a bit of water, I didn't sleep great, went to bed too late. Um, so it should be about a three, but I've been running and exercising and really good lately, so I'm feeling quite good about myself and that's been helpful, um, even though I'm getting a bit older and um, not quite in my pristine shape that God would desire one day in heaven. Um, emotionally, a bit low, don't know why, woke up this morning feeling a bit flat, uh, emotions are a bit low. Um, my wife went straight to the bacon, egg and rolls, didn't say hello to me, felt a little bit emotional about that, um, just being honest with you all. We're emotional people, who knows what will throw us. Um, but that's where I'm at this morning, um, a bit more vulnerable about this workshop, not feeling like I'm going to offer the world how to last as leaders. Um, so that's good, it probably is a good thing, keeps me in quite a humble place, I don't have all the answers. But this, and being aware of ourselves, is going to help us as leaders. Um, if we aren't honest... If we're not honest and if we don't know where we're at, 
how can we lead others? How can we care for others? Um, there needs to be a real honesty with us. Who, who found that like, oh, that was okay. I'm, I'm kind of, did anyone find you're okay to get in touch with that? Yeah, good, good. A bit of a mixture. Well, hopefully that was helpful. That's our like, first little practical moment. Um, the guy that wrote that book, um, he has um, a little Insta thing on, on leaders, but um, one of his framework is looking at um, the building box of leadership, and he'll say um, that character's on the bottom, um, then skills, and then your vision. Um, and that's, like, there's many ways to do this, but Tim Hawkins looks at um, the building blocks of, of leadership. And to be a leader, um, he places character at the bottom, and then we need to know our skills, personality, who we are, and then it develops into a vision, and that we need all of these. I'm wanting to really focus um, particularly today on character, um, on, on our character and who we are. Um, and the way um, God's led me to look at that today, just to give us a sense if people like structure, um, I'm going to be going through particularly, this whiteboard is going to be messy, I'm not a teacher, so um, I'm going to be looking at, to help us with our character, looking at calling, identity, And I'm always shifting and changing with how I um, view leadership as the more I read and as more Jesus teaches me. But this is the framework I'm looking at today. Um, I think to keep our character in place, we need to be honest and self-aware. Um, but we need to constantly be checking in and aware of our calling and our relationship with God and what He's calling us to do in our lives, what our identity is, what His vision for our life is at the moment, in the season, in the place, with the people we're at, and what sort of strategy, how are we living this out. Um, and I think when we are constantly checking with ourselves, with friends, with relationships, how we're going with this, with God and with people, it helps our, our character form, it helps us know who we are, and then it helps us use who we are to live out the current vision and, and, and um, purpose God has for us. Is that making sense? So I'm wanting to go through these four areas today and hopefully that will be helpful. So when we come to calling, um, if you've got your Bibles, we'll all know it, but turn to Matthew uh, 28, 19 and 20. I love that this is, this is Jesus many days after he's risen from the dead. It's the, the resurrected Jesus appearing to his disciples who've still been confused, fearful, worried, concerned. He spent three years with them. He sent them out. They've seen healing. They've seen miracles. They've seen love just spread across um, and, and break through ways that they could have never imagined. Yet we know they've been locked in a room, scared that Jesus had died. Then they've been told the Holy Spirit's coming and now he's appeared to a group of them and some of them are worshipping in verse 17, yet some of them are still doubting. And, and then Jesus speaks to them in verse 18. He appears to them and says, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, 
baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. These words were written by Matthew, recorded at the end of his gospel. And for Matthew, these are incredibly important as our calling, as our purpose. Just as we read this afresh, anything standing out? A couple of comments from, from the people. What stood out to you then as you've read it? I'm sure we've all heard it, but what stood out today? Authority in heaven and earth has been given to you. Yeah, huge man. Authority. A massive one. That's where Jesus starts with these words. He's reminding them, I've given you the authority. He's told them the Holy Spirit's coming. The power of Jesus is going to live in us. All authority has been given to us. So we need to, when we're emotionally flat and I'm feeling like a five this morning, I know that Matthew tells me I have all authority and I can stand here today and still be bold before Jesus. Um, Whenever we're feeling low in an area, we can go back to God's word. We can go back to our calling and begin to lead out of that. Um, We don't want to, um, whilst we want to be honest with ourselves, we can lead out of God as well and, and not our weaknesses or our lows. We can continue to, to lead through that. All authority, um, not just on earth, but on heaven. That was good, That's good, Corey. Anything else, quickly, standing out for anyone? Yes, Mel. I love that it says, um, make disciples, not like converts. Yes. Mm. Yeah. So that's where we get the uh, Christian buzzword, discipleship. You know, we're making disciples. Um, but it's, it's a really helpful, yeah, we're not just converting people and then running away. Discipleship has a real relationship, a real relational rhythm, um, and we love that. And that's why Jesus modeled to us just three intimate years where he spent so much time with those people. Um, yeah, that's good. Um, turn to Acts 1.8, um, and the talks have been really helpful in our main meetings as we're looking at living a spirit-led life and, and looking at this, um, the role of the Holy Spirit. And the disciples were told to go out, make disciples, and that's why we're all leaders. Side note, I think that all Christians are leaders. Some people agree, others disagree. A lot of it's semantics and and fighting over words. Christian leadership, discipleship. I think if anyone knows Jesus and they know the call in their lives, they're a leader. They have the leading of the Holy Spirit in their lives and they have a a responsibility and the same authority given them to them to make disciples. Therefore, we all need to be aware that wherever we go, people are looking at us, listening to us, watching us. And there's a leadership responsibility on us all. That's not to scare us. That, that should excite us. But um, we need to teach the young people and we need to teach ourselves and our friends that um, some people are like, I don't know if I'm a leader yet. We are all leaders. Yes, there's a gift of leadership, a special anointing, a special additional influence that some people are just given, um, that we see God working through in an you know, incredible way. Um, but it doesn't matter if they're leading two or 2,000. Um, we're, all, we're all leaders. Um, there's a special gift with an extra grace for it, but there's still a, a, a mutuality with us all leading, as a side note. So Acts 1.8. Um, Minko, do you want to read? Yeah. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Awesome. 
What stands out? To us there, in our calling. What are we called to do? What stands out? It's not us, it's the Holy Spirit. Yeah, His power. Mm-hmm. So our calling comes from His power. Jesus, like, is really clear on this. Wait, wait, the Holy Spirit's coming. And we see a Pentecost that comes in a beautiful way. So it's His power. And what does His power make us? Witnesses. Witnesses. So if we're witnessing, then we're leaders, yeah? Um, We're all leaders. And we want to be teaching our youth. We want to teach from conversion new Christians that we all now are able to lead others Mm -hmm. through our words, through our actions, through everything. So I find those two passages really helpful. There's endless passages for calling, but I, they're just like staple, basic, really familiar ones that I always go back to and really remind me that I have this responsibility, this authority, this calling, that I'm a, a witness and I'm called to make disciples. I'm not called to make coffees, but I made coffees for three years, but my heart was still to make disciples whilst I made coffees for 55 hours a week. Um, while I was pursuing being an actor, I was still trying to make disciples. Um, when I bought donuts and coffees for the extras and the uh, actors, you know, as a runner. Whatever it may be, we're still, there's still this greater calling on our lives. Wherever we're living, whatever we're doing, we still have that calling and we need to know that. Um, where did Jesus, as a leader, where did he spend most of his time? Who did he spend most of his time with? People. Let's go more specific. Disciples, sinners. So who do you reckon he, of all the people, I mean, okay, first of all, the gospel don't fully say, oh, he spent this amount of hours. But as we look at Jesus' leadership, um, what was his um, model? Of, 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 of spending time yeah withdrawing a lot looking after himself yeah totally totally um, well I I found really helpful in, in reading um, Mark Sayers has a bunch of books he's an Australian in Melbourne um, and, and he's really good at looking at culture looking at good at leadership he has a book called Facing Leviathan uh, then he's got another one called Disappearing Church that's come out more recently. And he says um, one of his great lines is, um, invest in a few to change the many. Um, and I just, I love um, the diagram and the model that when we look at Jesus and to help us begin to understand our calling and then look in, down to strategy. So I'm kind of jumping the gun a little bit here, but because we've, we've looked at Matthew and looked at Acts, um, whilst the Gospels don't fully say, what we see is that he had 12, he would send out 72, then there'd be crowds of 300 or up to um, thousands. But I found it really helpful that even within in this, where did Jesus spend most of his time? What would we guess? The 12. So there's a really clear picture that that Jesus spent a lot of time with those 12. And he decided that if he invested heavily in these 12, they would slowly, um, if you've seen Pay It Forward, a great movie uh, from the 90s, um, that basically it shows us that if we do three good things, then each of those three people will do three good things and it just multiplies. That is how Jesus changed the world and when the Holy Spirit came. Um, Within the 12, did he spend any extra time with any of the 12? Peter, James, and John. 
So we read often that he goes away with, with, with three. Um, and even within the three, John himself calls himself the beloved. And so we see that there's these relations, relational dynamics within our calling that we need to be careful and planned and thought out and intentional and strategic um, with how we respond to our calling and know ourselves and what sort of vision we create and a strategy we put in place. And so whether we're a youth leader, a youth pastor, um, someone at church that's mentoring, discipling, we look at our lives, I find this really helpful um, in reminding myself that if my youth group's fluctuating in numbers and it, it, it's changing from 30 to 70 to 20, uh, that, that ultimately, as a leader, these crowds changed for Jesus depending on what town he was in or what day or night of the week. But the thing that was always stable was the 12 and the 3 and the 1. Um, and so it's so important, like even if you're just starting with one person, um, and I think great healthy relationships, mentoring, discipling, can really happen in one-on-one, one on one, uh, groups of three. But um, we're not quite Jesus, so maybe don't shoot for 12. But uh, maybe we can go halfway or six or seven or eight, depending on the time in your weeks or your role or job. But you want to you wanna live out your calling. You want to make disciples of all nations. You want to get them baptized, teach them to obey everything's commanded by the power of the Holy Spirit and in His authority. Don't focus on reaching thousands. Um, every young leader, every young pastor wants to have a youth group of thousands and be a, a mega church. And once we get over that, eventually we realize that Jesus was just as for the one and that we just need to be responsible with the few. And, it, and, and God will, will grow the rest. And he'll determine what's necessary in that part of the world, that church, that place. Um, and that's a, a beautiful picture. So that's kind of how I look at our calling playing out. Um, leadership has a lot of sacrifice. Um, it takes a lot of time to do this well. Jesus immersed himself in these relationships. And one of the reasons leaders burn out, one of the reasons we don't last, is A, we're trying to spend too much time with 30, 70. We're trying to have coffees with 50 people. And we're really, majority of our time should just be with, with three to five to six and pouring ourselves into those as far as a leadership uh, model, not friends and family and things, but in a discipleship, growing them, teaching them, generally it's someone younger, and you're helping grow them so they'll be a better leader than you. You're trying to raise them up, lift them up, to send them out, just as Jesus did. When we focus on these areas, we don't, it's really hard to last. We get exhausted, we get tired and burnt out, and we begin to stop relying on Jesus. When we have the intimacy and the fellowship and the closeness um, in these areas, it, it helps us look after ourselves. If there's still this responsibility on us to care for our character and ourselves and be looking at um, how are we going so that we can do this well. Kind of seeing the connections a little bit? Great, great. What I would like you to do now, as we've got Jesus' um, map here, another practical self-assessment that I've found that has changed my life practically as, as I looked at Jesus and I got to know him and I've read and studied, um, I like to monthly look at my life and I call it a life map. And that's me. And then I like to um, look at the places where God's put me and then I look at the people. And so I'd like you to create your life map now. 
um, of the spheres and, and the places you're at. So places and then people. And just be asking God and, and just reminding ourselves where are the places I'm at at the moment. So I've got church, I've got the rugby club I play for to keep engaged with the world so that I'm not living in church my entire life. Um, I've got family, I've got friends. And there might be overlap. You can have within church different ministries. It can be as big as you'd like. But um, yeah, just start drawing that and with God, where am I? What places, what people? And this will help us then look at how can we last as a leader in these environments. Mel, could you hit that? I think that's the fan switch over there. Yeah, great. Two minutes on this guy, just as a, a little refresher for where God's placed you with your with your calling. doesn't have to be people you're mentoring or discipling. At the moment, this is just your entire life. So as much as you can do in a few minutes. another minute or so. It's okay if you can, you can do it properly later, but just to give yourself a little bit of a glimpse, try and get the, the big pictures and places and people.
we'll stop. We'll keep moving along. So just wanted to give you a taste of what I call the life map. Um, might seem tiring, meticulous, boring. Probably, probably every couple of months, realistically, I, I would do this, and I like to do it with other leaders, and, and just to be evaluating where life's at. I haven't finished mine here, but what I like, what helps me do is if I have a list of my friends, for example, I want to be reaching people that don't know Jesus, so I'm able to circle them and identify um, some people in my life that I want to lead and, and lead to Jesus. When I go to my church or my youth context and I've got a team that I'm leading, there's some specific people that I might be mentoring or guiding or leading that um, I can then highlight. Um, I can look at friendships and family, which are important to my health and, and, and well-being and myself. But it just helps me identify the places and the people. And whilst they might be end up with a list of 60 to 100 these days for people, or 10, 20, 30, 40, what I really like is then you can zoom in and say, God, right now, or over the next year, this year, where am I really investing? Is it, is it a young leader that's really coming through? Um, if you're a, a youth pastor, is it the year 11s and 12s um, or even 10s that are coming through who you know, before you know it, they're going to be your leaders. So whilst I'm mentoring a bunch of people, I've got to start identifying and finding other leaders. So this is some of our, I've jumped to strategy, but um, I find this life map helps me have the big picture of my life and with God to look at it and, um, and, and seek God through it. Forgot the top layer, but if this is me, Andrew Bollum, what I love is to have an upper layer. And it's working out what is feeding you. You've got your relationship with God, you've got your exercise, your physical, emotional, relational, spiritual life. But what is supporting that? Um, it's a big buzzword, but if you're a leader and you're leading a lot of people, you need to have someone leading you. Hands down, I'm just saying it as a rock solid thing. I'm at the point in my life where I have three mentors. Don't necessarily encourage it, it's not a must, but um, I've given them different focuses I'd like them to ask me about my life. Um, someone just asked me about my marriage, family and relationships. Someone else asked me about my church, health and leadership. Um, the third one about my, my gifts and my relationship with God and the Holy Spirit, but we need to begin with one and then see where God leads you. Um, Maybe I'm an emotional wreck and just needed three, you know. Um, but maybe it's because I've been in the same church for a long time. Maybe it's because I've been in the same youth for nine years. But to help look after myself. And a lot of these, sometimes they're just friendships. Sometimes it's like someone you work with. Um, you define and you can ask your mentor what you want them to lead you in. You should set the boundaries. You should guide them. You lead them to lead you. Um, so one mentor, I'm like, now you don't need to ask me about any of these areas. I got that covered. I want you just to focus on this. Um, and I let them know that, and then they come to me once a month, once every two months. So within the three, don't worry, it's not like every week or anything. I've got someone else every two months. So a, a mentor, um, I guess it's keeping a balance with like friends and, and family. A really helpful, um, your relationship with God, Father, Son, Spirit, really essential. Um, but uh, what, are, what are the things that are feeding you? Um, what books are you reading, podcasts, worship, identifying, oh, have I stopped listening to worship music or do I not listen to podcasts? Am I not learning and growing and expanding and, and dreaming with God? 
Um, leaders are readers. We should be listening, learning all the time to fill us so that it would spread. Um, and it might look super nerdy. I'm not that practical or logical, but when it's come to doing leadership for a long time, couldn't bless the life of Matt anymore for, for you guys to just, with God, keep assessing how your calling and identity is going and how you're living that out. Is that helpful? Yeah. Great. Mind maps. Who would have thought? Yeah. Um, all right. 20 minutes to go. We're doing all right? Good one. Identity, we're all in church world, not going to spend a lot of time in it. Go to 1 Peter chapter 2. This um, helped change my life. It was the theme of a summer camp I was at nine years ago on identity, and this was the passage, and it's, it's never left my heart, and it helps remind me of my identity and, and who I am in Jesus. Sam, if I get you to read it in just 10 seconds. Is that right? You got a Bible? Um, 1 Peter chapter 2. Sneaky Peter. He's hard to find. 1 Peter chapter 2. And we'll read from uh, just uh, 9 to 10. Um, but you're a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are God's people. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. No, that's great. So many passages about our identity. That's Jesus' heart, that we would know him, we would remain in him. If we remain in him, he remains in us, John 15. If we draw near to him, he'll draw near to us. Um, Our whole leadership needs to be built on both our calling, but also our identity, Um, our identity in him. And and Peter puts it perfectly in this letter that went around to the churches, that each of you have been chosen. You have been chosen for these places and these people and your identity is that you're chosen, you're royalty to God, you're, you're becoming a holy na- nation, you're special, you're brought out of the darkness, you're still wrestling with the darkness here on earth, but you're being brought into His light. In the, the past, the people were not a people of God, the Gentiles, they weren't, the, only the Jews were, but now you're all a people of God. Once you hadn't received forgiveness, Jesus hadn't died for you, but He has now. And so your identity is not that today I was emotionally a five. That's not my identity. Jesus is making me new and he's changing me inside. And so when I come back to scripture and I look to the word of God that changes me as a leader, and we heard from Tom French yesterday morning that this relationship between the word and the spirit, that that leaders, we need to, if we want to influence this, if we want to know our identity, our identity is found in the word. Um, Our identity is being reminded every day that we've been brought out of darkness. And if I'm feeling darkness, if I'm feeling anxious or depressed or low, I need to come back to Jesus, back to his word and be reminded of who I am so that I can keep living out the vision and the plans God has for me. Because he's created us for good works. He's created us all to be leaders that, that, that will last. And if we begin to care for ourselves and assess our lives and care for our, um, our whole being and looking at ourselves and being fed by friends and family, God, reading, mentors, we begin to establish our identity and our calling 
and looking after ourselves as leaders and we might be able to run the, the race. We might be able to last. That's our goal, yeah? We want to last. So our identity is massive as leaders. We, as leaders, want to lead other people to know their identity. So we need to keep coming back to our identity. Don't ever forget that we lose track of it so quickly. And Satan wants to cheat, steal, and destroy. He wants you to forget and to forget that you have a new identity in heaven. And so he'll start putting guilt. He'll put shame. He'll put fear. He'll, he'll th- make you think you're not a preacher, you're not a leader, you're not a teacher. You're not good enough. You can't impact these people. You're just one person. He'll try and ruin your identity. As leaders, we need to remain in our identity so we can help others. Any questions so far? So I always leave them at the end and then there's no time. Anything that's been coming up for anyone or, or key questions or thoughts um, or uh, any heresies I've dropped, um, love a heated discussion or a thin love. So feel free to question me today. Any questions as we pause at this um, 66% mark of this morning? Oh no, we'll be on that. Seven, 15 to go. Any questions, thoughts, ideas, additions? <laughs> Just kidding. Is this feeling like it's going to help us last? Is yeah. this a good refresher? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. It's, 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 you chose to come to this seminar. Is, is this feeling like that actually is helpful for us as leaders? Oh, yeah. Who's a youth leader at churches? Probably should have asked this at the start. <laughs> so, a lot of us are leaders. Who's not a youth leader? Great. You're leaders. <laughs> we are all youth leaders. You know who the most badass youth pastor ever was? Jesus. Um, and he didn't have a youth group. Hey, so we don't need youth groups. You don't have to go to Friday nights. We're all Jesus. We're all youth pastors. This guy changed the world. Um, and it doesn't have to happen in a building and in a church um, at all. Just on that note. Yeah. 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 Vision. How do we get vision as a leader? How do we stay in vision? How do we sustain that? How do we get energy for that? Um, I find every year I, I, I need new vision. I need where's my youth group heading? Where are my friendships heading? Where's some of my mentoring heading? Um, how do we keep re-envisioning that? I mean, I've found it has to come from the Word. Um, it doesn't have to only come from the Word. It can come from the, just looking out at the ocean over a beach. Um, I... I, someone mentioned withdrawing and how Jesus did that a lot in, in this scenario. And actually, let's just use that right now. Um, within this, Jesus also spent a lot of time with his father, didn't he? Um, and I think as leaders, to sustain our vision, um, we talked about some of these things that feed us above. How do we seek vision? We go back to God just like Jesus did. 
Um, Mark Sayers talks a lot about with, with, withdrawing as leaders and dealing with our chaos, dealing with our lows and our baggage and, and caring for ourselves. Because as our identity, when we forget that, that's what we lead out of because this is who we are. That's what makes up our, our skills and our abilities and our personalities. And so we need to keep coming to God and looking after ourselves. And if we keep a vision for ourselves and what God's doing in us, then we're in a place where we can start getting a vision for others. Um, recently at our church, we've been using the line um, that, that, that loving your neighbor means having a greater vision for your friends than, than they do. Um, having a vision for others' lives. And so if you're leading anyone, if you're close friends with someone, if you're mentoring them, if they're in your youth group, we need to have a vision that's greater. So if I get to know Minko, I need to believe in his future almost more than he believes in it. And boldly, I want to say, I want to believe in it more. And if we begin to have that kind of mentality, we begin to step into the, the dream and the vision Jesus had for his people. Um, for me, a few years ago, I was actually, it was when I was up in Yarrabah, I was reading Isaiah 61, and it just pierced my heart um, when Isaiah was just prophesying and, and, and when he recorded it in Isaiah 61, if you want to turn there, but um, otherwise I'll just read it over you. But, but he talks about the Spirit of the Lord coming and that, that God's wanting to rebuild His kingdom. And we know that He wants the, the heaven to come to earth. And in verse 4 of 61, it says, there's this picture that um, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Um, and whilst these words were speaking to Isaiah's time, 800 years before Christ, these words pierced my heart. I stuck them on the wall. They're in my office. They're at my home. They're part of me and Emma and our marriage. And we believe that within this earth that's broken, there's places and people that are devastated. And when I'm feeling a little bit flat, to get back to my calling and identity and develop my vision, I'm like, where are the places that are devastated and broken? God use me there and that, those scriptures just bring me alive. So we can get these grand visions from scripture, from God, from praying. It might be a word someone gives you at a, a conference or at a worship meeting or at church. The other big one is I think through relationships. Jesus was so relational and as leaders, relationships matter so much. John 13, I love that Jesus said, a new command I give you, love one another. As I've loved you, you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus like sums up everything just there when he says to his disciples, just love each other. Just love each other as I've loved you. And from this love, everyone will begin to know that you're my disciples if you love one another. John writes, his gospel is ridiculous. He's a lover. He's the, he's the disciple of love. He's the beloved and I believe he caught such a vision of Jesus' love that he's given it to us. And he says that if we learn to love in this part, it will spread to the thousands. Um, David mentioned it earlier, but like, I'll just confess, I wanted to have a huge youth group. And my, my youth group's decent size, but um, you know, I wanted to have hundreds. I thought I had the leadership, the personality I could. Um, like, I studied acting. I could fake it till I'd made it. I could have the biggest church in Australia. That wasn't from God. That wasn't, um, uh, that wasn't in humility. It was more about me and it was less about Him. And 
after being the same youth group with a bunch of similar leaders, I've just learned the gift of, 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 of experiencing love in just small ways and letting God do whatever he wants to do. And so I just focus on, on two or three each week. I focus on, on, on a small amount of people. But we need to be finding vision for ourselves, for how we're living and how to care for, for people. And then as we move on to vision, we begin to develop a strategy. Just quickly, let's get practical again. Draw a bucket, however you want, on your page. Um, let's go... Bill Hybels talks about um, he's great on leadership. Courageous Leadership is like a really good book. If you just want like the, the everything of leadership in one book, Courageous Leadership by Bill Hybels. Um, he talks about a bucket and the vision leaks, and so we need to keep our bucket full. And so that can be applied to our vision and our purposes. We need scriptures that are leading us. We need ideas. We need to keep our bucket full because vision leaks. And it just comes out and then eventually it gets empty. Um, that can happen with vision, but it can also happen with us. And so for this little exercise, we kind of looked above here. So we're coming back to that. But this is another, for those who are practical or, or um, like writing in books. <laughs> um, what are the things that fill your bucket? Is it going to the beach? Is it swimming? Is it surfing? Is it having coffees? Is it traveling? What are the things that are going to keep you excited? Um, and just write them. And these are often the places that you can go by yourself or you can go with friends. We talked about Jesus withdrawing and I definitely left that point hanging a bit. But um, the idea of withdrawing is that I know every few weeks I've got to swim somewhere. I've just got to find some water and have a swim. And it's as if I just like get baptized all over again. Um, <laughs> Or if I'd say, like, I've just washed clean, I just feel so at peace. It's like something special about the earth and creation and, and beauty that just connects me back to the land and back to God. Um, and it reminds me that this whole world is God's, even though that, um, you know, we eventually stole this land. Is that right? <laughs> um, but what is it? Going to the beach, meeting with God, where is it? Could be a bunch of things, but we need to be aware of those. And fill them up. Don't do it now. But the other side of this that we can make a list is what drains your bucket. And they might be good things and bad things. So they might be a really good thing, like Friday night youth group really drains me. But I freaking I love it. But it, can, but it can exhaust me. So I realize on Saturday or Sunday I need to do something that fills me back up, so that we keep our bucket full. And that means when we got a full cup, it overflows. Um, so that's just another practical diagram. I, I've got journals that I use each year and I just draw and jot and with God go on these journeys to help look after myself so that I'll last. Um, we're coming into land um, and strategy. Strategy is really unique and, and should come to you. And I want to talk creatively, just for our last few minutes, um, that there's many ways to do ministry and many ways to do leadership. It can happen at 6am, it can happen at 7am, it can happen at lunch times, it can happen in afternoons, it can happen in buildings. Um, we constantly, we, at my youth group, have been trying different things. Some have failed, some have succeeded, but we explore different ministries. We now have a, a drop-in centre 
um, with some skate ramps and, and skating really helped to reach the lost in our area. We now have about a, almost 100 kids on a Friday night and, and 60, 70 of them don't know Jesus and aren't from church families. And that was through a bunch of us who couldn't skate, getting some skate ramps, making a place that was unstructured where kids could hang and, and eventually it became a, a place where people wanted to come. Um, and that was just a strategy we, we brought in uh, where it wasn't hype, but it was just a, a safe space. And then at the end of the night, we'd build up to a point where we would share the gospel and Jesus would always be preached. Um, but it very much was like pre-evangelism. Um, strategy really matters. Um, oh, I just remember the final diagram to help us is it's a term called pathway. And it's really helpful to work out a strategy. And, and the pathway really helps that. So just quickly, my youth group... Um, High school, we, we, we try to reach kids from high school or our local sports centre, which we, our, is our church. And from that, we bring them into Friday nights. And from that, another area is we have a summer camp. And from Friday, uh, another one is LTN, where gardening once a term. It's a little bit scattered. Um... Then we have Bible studies for people that want to grow deeper, called the Vine for younger kids or um, discipleship groups. And then eventually we'd love them in a church Sunday community on a Sunday night. And if you think of this from top to bottom, this is a really ugly version of it, but eventually we can fill in the gaps and have a nice order. And we say that kids can join in at any point but eventually we know where it begins and we know where it ends in church community where they can heal and change and restore and grow and then eventually we send them out back in to their high schools and and the premise of disciples that will last and fruits that will last is that we're creating and leading kids who become Christians that then seek and bring others in and they're, they're living out the gospel, they're becoming leaders. And so we have this pathway and the more you know your pathway, the more your leadership team knows the pathway, the more the kids know the pathway. It's not a secret. This is what we're trying to do. It begins to spread. But I've found it's taken four or five or six years, but it's been worth it and it's slowly becoming known. And so that is a strategy that you can think through for your context, your people, um, wherever you are. Um, I love, the, one of the biggest reasons I love Soul Survivor is that they believe in making disciples on the road. I love that just as Jesus sent out the 12, he sent out the 72 in pairs. They went from town to town, house to house. Is God here? Should we minister here? Should we pray, heal? What should we do? I love that. Next year, I think we're going on a road trip up north as a, as a conference. I love Soul Survivor because of that model. I don't like just being in a building. And I have a hint that one day I'll be beyond that. Um, but some people, it's amazing. I mean, and we've got an incredible building where I am, so I'm very lucky. But I love being on the road. Um, so is it through hospitality? Maybe is your strategy. Um, you're just like Meals on Wheels, one of the best ministries where people just take meals to people that have had babies, people that are sick. Um, I love different strategies. We need to creatively ask ourselves, what strategies that reflect the vision and reflect who we are and who God's calling us to be? Ooh. Like a little, little reminder, it's 10 o'clock. Um, so yeah, that's how we land in strategy. Um, and that just involves dreaming and imagining. I love Acts 2 when the Spirit was poured out 
um, that it says that sons and daughters, young and old, will dream, have visions and dreams and prophesy, encouraging each other, speaking words of life and wisdom. Um, but there's this sense of dreaming and imagining and, and asking and seeking visions with God. What do you want me to do with the places and the people that I've been? Am I caring for myself to be able to achieve all of this? Do I know my calling and identity? Each, this can be a daily process some days, some weeks, that helps us look after ourselves because we lead, we lead out of our heart. We lead out of, to live a spirit-led life of leadership. We lead out of who we are. And we need to know who we are. We need to check ourselves, score ourselves, maybe out of 10, or maybe just to like, ask God that each morning, however it looks. Um, that's a bunch of, of things that I've learned and found helpful, and I, I hope that was pretty practical. Before we finish, just quickly, any final questions, thoughts, additions? You guys are too nice. You can stay around and heckle me. Um, Mel, do you want to just pray for us? Um, and yeah, feel free to stick around and, and have chats together or come and talk to me. Thank you so much, everyone. Last quote to finish on. Um, Eugene Peterson wrote the message, Legend. There's some cool YouTube stuff with him. Catch him before he dies. Um, but he says, if you want potatoes for dinner tomorrow, it will do little good to go out tonight and plant potatoes in my garden. Long stretches of darkness and invisibility and silence separate planting from reaping. Um, so if you want potatoes tomorrow, don't plant them tonight. Um, this stuff, and as, as leaders, it, it takes years and years. So care for yourself and, and look after um, all that, that you do. Uh, that's a, a real wisdom from Eugene. Have a good morning. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you.